Welcome into this Five Clubs conversation. I'm Gary Williams. Always great to have you with us. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation we're getting ready to have. He's 21st in the official World Golf Rankings. Currently, he sits 8th in the FedEx Cup rankings. He's already a three-time winner on the PGA Tour. And when I say already, look, it took him 10 years to break through. He's made a very good living, consistently making it to the FedEx Cup playoffs every year. But getting that first win, it's a tall order. And a lot of guys will tell you the second one is even harder because it's kind of like a validation. Well, it's Jason, it's Jason Kokrak. Now, Jason won for the first time when he won out at Shadow Creek at the CJ Cup. Then he added that second win of the Charles Schwab Challenge by winning at Colonial, holding off the native son, Jordan Spieth. And more recently, he won the Houston Open last fall, but that counted for this season. So he's currently in the top 10 of the FedEx Cup. He's a guy who won over $5 million last year, and I think there's a very reasonable chance that he could be on the United States President's Cup team right here in Charlotte at Quail Hollow next fall. And by winning that Charles Schwab Challenge, he won the 1946 Dodge Power Wagon. Nobody looks better behind the wheel of that Power Wagon than him, except maybe me. So Jason Kokrak is our conversation this week. With that, we welcome in Jason Kokrak. Jason, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you, Gary? I'm good. Thank you for doing this. Looking forward to this conversation. I got to ask you, you were just mentioning before we got started that you all got 18 inches of snow up there. Uh, how is the 1946 Dodge Power Wagon in the snow? Have you had it out? I haven't had it out yet. Uh, I was going to uh, drive it around in the snow, but the problem was that it's already started to melt a little bit. So yeah. the roads got too wet and salty before I uh, I could get it out. You know, I, I think, and, and I'm alluding to this truck that, that Jason won when he won the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial. You get the jacket, which is mint, uh, but you also get the truck. The, the, is the truck tricked out? I mean, do you have like a good sound system in it? <laughs> Well, being a 46, it doesn't have uh, a great sound system, but nonetheless, it does have a sound system. I can hook up my iPhone to it. Uh, speakers, AC, heat, power steering. I mean, it's got an LS3 swap, custom transfer case, custom rear end. I mean, the thing is, it's push button start. I mean, if uh, I have the battery charged and the key on, it it turns right over and fires right up and uh, drives like a, you know, uh, like a resto mod. So it's a uh, it's a lot of fun and. My boys think they have their own personal monster truck sitting in the uh, in the garage. <laughs> That's awesome. I the, the jacket. Did you wear that that nice red plaid jacket to any Christmas parties? You know what? I uh, I ha I haven't gotten the jacket yet. I don't know if uh, it's something to do with uh, shipping these days, but I haven't gotten the jacket yet. So maybe the first time I'll wear it is to uh, to the to the dinner uh, at Colonial this year. So. Hopefully the jacket's coming. I mean, I know everything's stopped up with uh, the shipping problems these days, but I haven't gotten the jacket yet. Looking forward to taking my wife out to dinner wearing that, uh, that crazy 46 extra long jacket or 48 extra long jacket in the, uh, in the 46 power wagon. But nonetheless, I got a couple good stories about it already. I bet. You know, I was going to – you said 46 or 48. I knew it was going to be a long – uh, I was kind of like a like an amateur haberdasher. I was thinking you were probably 48. So 48 extra long? 48 extra long. Okay, very nice. I, I want to go back to, to Shadow Creek because, you know, I was mentioning before I brought you on how, how consistently, you know, you've made money, top tens. Um, but winning, you know, you know this, winning's elusive as hell. Um, when, when you, when you started that week at, at Shadow Creek, did you, was there anything, did your intuition tell you anything or was it, as you went into that week, was it just another week? Um, I'd say it was just another week entering the, the week, but you know, I knew going into Shadow Creek that nobody else in the tournament would have as much, much experience as I did around that golf course. Uh, being an MGM ambassador, uh, you know, we, we play the pro-am there every year. 
you know, I have family that live in Vegas, so I play the golf course, I don't know, maybe 25, now probably over 30, 35 times, but then 25 times uh, roughly uh, before the start of the tournament. So I knew that how fast the greens could get. I knew some spots that you just could not uh, play from. And with the green super firm, uh, you know, all that played right into my hands. I'm a high ball hitter, a uh, high spin player. So um, going into that week, I knew where not to hit it. And I knew where to, I could leave the ball. And uh, I D-Rob and I, David Robinson and I read the greens uh, incredibly well, made the putts down the stretch. And, you know, uh, I can't remember uh, what veteran player told me this, but, uh, you know, he said, your first win is not going to be one that you can force. It's going to be one that you're going to have to let come to you. So. That was kind of my mantra for the day um, at CJ Cup, playing with Xander Shoffley on, on that Sunday. I said, you're not going to be able to force this. You're not going to be able to force the win. Uh, just go out there and uh, let it come to you and, uh, you know, take advantage of uh, where, where the birdies come and where, where they fall. And I hit it great that day and made some really, really nice putts. You know, Jason, with, with that, which is a great thing to keep in your mind, I, I've always, when you talk to people in any sport, they talk about when things – get fast you can't allow them to make you fast that that don't yeah. don't speed up your process uh i mean does that apply to you i mean did you feel that oh yeah for sure i mean the process definitely speeds up i mean uh i could tell at colonial uh during that win i i re-watched a little bit of the coverage and i, I kind of really only wanted to see myself on 18 because that's when i really felt you know i was starting to you know get a lot a lot faster so you know I, I putted my putt up to about four or five feet. Um, my caddy, uh, one of the best stories I think uh, we'll probably ever have together is uh, we, I had a five footer. I needed to two putt it and uh, it was a pretty straight putt inside, I don't know, inside left, inside right. And he looks at me, he's like, even you can get this down to two boss. <laughs> so <laughs> we got that down. So a little lighthearted, but I rewatched the coverage and I told myself before I went up to this putt, I said, go slow. Don't do anything fast. Take an extra second, no matter what you're doing. And it looked like I was running up to the golf ball. So, you know, even in that moment, thinking that I was trying to play a little slower, thinking I was trying to be, uh, you know, take my time, I was still fast. The um, the, the whole dynamic of Spieth being right there and, and you know, every win is different. Every win has its own texture. Uh, was there extra satisfaction knowing that, you know, look, that the, the, the mojo on that property, you had so many people that wanted him to win. Uh, were, you yeah. had to be aware of that, weren't you? <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> uh, I had two friends, one, uh, my cousin's good friend that lived in Houston and another friend uh, that I grew up playing golf uh, with here in Youngstown. Um, you know, he was, he lives down there in Arlington and they were the only two players that, or people there that I think were rooting for me. So <laughs> I kind of just, uh, you know, kept my head down and, you know, tried to ignore the comments and, you know, chirp at people when I needed to, like, you know, when they were kind of talking right when I was getting ready to hit, I, you know, tell them to quiet down and I have a, a voice that carries pretty, pretty, pretty well. So, um, they, they tend to quiet down when I, you know, yell or whatever. Uh, but. You know, I had to keep my head down. There was a lot of, uh, you know, nasty comments and uh, nonetheless, uh, way worse outside the ropes than what I could hear. But I could hear some of it. Houston, you're you're tied for 25th through two rounds. Um, do you remember on Saturday? Did you have did you, what was your approach on the weekend? Because you're kind of you're right. You're in the middle of the pack going into the weekend. Well, I had played the golf course really well the first couple of days. And then uh, when we had the, uh, you know, with the delay uh, because of the rain, I didn't get to finish on Friday. So Saturday morning, really cold weather, um, you know, a little bit breezy, but not too bad. But, you know, I couldn't uh, I couldn't dial in how far the ball was going and, you know, chipping and putting around this golf course. That golf course was uh, incredibly difficult that day and had a little bit of a debacle uh, finishing my second round and uh, bogeyed my first hole to start uh, start the third round. So, But uh, the one thing that kind of kicked me out of that, my cousin uh, just informed me, I think, the, the day before, the night before, that he had just uh, welcomed his third baby into the world. So it kind of snapped me out of, you know, the bad thought process or anything else like that. So kind of gave me a, a fresh start, and uh, I knew nobody else was making as many birdies as I was around that place. So I just kind of stepped uh, stepped on the gas and, uh, you know, hit some great shots, uh, took advantage of the par fives. And, you know, I knew that uh, it would be a tough golf course to get to, you know, 1500 par or whatever. So I um, I just stepped uh, stuck to my game plan and 
you know, I ended up uh, coming out on top. Right? It, it was an incredibly tough golf course that week if you missed the green. You shot 65 in the final round, and I, I was saying – uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, forecasting this year. And I, I think that you're, you know, you're, you're going to the next level. I think winning breeds winning. I think winning is a skill. Um, and I also think it changes goals because until you win, I don't know. I mean, winning is obviously a goal and then you win. And I think it's reasonable to expect to win more. Uh, how do you assess what you want to do this year as opposed to before you won for the first time? How different are your goals? Uh, the goals are, you know, obviously elevated after your first win. Um, you win a couple more times. I mean, Kevin and I won the QBE. So, you know, yeah, I guess you could say that winning is a skill. It's, you know, something that, you know, when you, uh, smell blood in the water, then you can go out and go get it and, you know, that not really force yourself to go do it. But, uh, after that first time, I think you can kind of force a couple things depending on where you're at. Um, but yeah, goals do change. Um, winning more is obviously always a goal. Tour championship is always a goal. Um, recently, I think uh, contending in a major, uh, contending at you know the players' championship, or uh, you know making my first uh, team event would be uh, at the top of my goal list uh, these days. So, you know, still wanting to win, um, be in contention. Uh, I've always prided myself on being a uh, consistent player. And uh, not quite as much the last, uh, you know, little little while. But uh, my my highs are definitely high, but uh, the lows are not nearly as low as they used to be. So, um, still continuing striving to get better. So that's uh, that's my goal is to continue to get better every year. And I think I've done just that uh, throughout my career. You know, Jason, when you got your card a decade ago. Um, I remember meeting you and I was saying to the guys here in the studio, I've always prided myself on having a firm handshake. You, you have a death grip. Um, I mean, honest to God. Uh, but but my, the point I'm trying to make is that, that your reputation was that, you know, obviously you had big game. Um, were you a hard worker? Do you work as hard or do you work smarter now uh, than you did 10 years ago? Uh, I think I work a lot smarter than I did 10 years ago. I don't go to the golf course now just to you know, just blindly hit balls or, you know, blindly just hit putts or whatever. I always have like something I, I'm trying to work on. I'm, you know, something that I'm always working on my chipping, always working on my wedge play. I, you know, I think that's something that I could work a, lot, a little bit harder at this year. Uh, probably, you know, I, I've been playing great golf, but uh, to, to contend in a major and do some of the things that I want to do, I think uh, my, my wedge play and my chipping need to get a little bit better. Uh, driving the golf ball been uh, a lot better, not quite as long as I used to be. Uh, when you met me a decade ago, but, uh, nonetheless, I'm hitting a little, I'm hitting it a little bit straighter. So, uh, you know, that, that being said, I mean, it's, uh, it's been a fun ride. Uh, you know, I'm out here, uh, on the PJ tour playing against the game's best and, um, I'm trying to enjoy the ride as well. I don't want to just grind myself into, uh, you know, weakness almost, you know, I don't want to stay out there all day. I don't want to stay, uh, you know, on the golf course away from my kids all the time. I want to enjoy life at home. I want to enjoy life on the golf course, but you know, uh, continue con- to contend, uh, you know, at every level. Do you feel now with, you know, the three kids and with Stephanie that that you're playing for more than yourself? I mean, I, I you know, I was talking to Kevin Kisner a couple of months ago and I was asking him about DeChambeau and he's like, yeah, I think he's a revolutionary player, but give him my kids for a couple of weeks and let me see what that does to his game. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I mean, that's it's it's a game changer, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's the game called life. I mean, it is a game changer. I mean, he's a young guy. He's one of the hardest working guys on the PGA Tour. I mean, I've heard a lot of a lot of things from other players about him. Uh, you know, over there in Dallas, he does some incredible stuff. He is a revolutionary revolutionary player. Um, you know, he's doing things with the golf ball that you know no other PGA Tour player has done. So uh, you got to respect him in that in that manner. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, you give him a couple kids, a wife on top of that a big house to take care of and, uh, you know, responsibilities at home. I think, uh, think that, that changes the, uh, the entirety of, you know, what he's going to look at. And, um, you, you're hearing more and more players, uh, say that, uh, about their kids and wanting to retire and spend more time at home. I, you know, I think the, the time of the 25 to 30 year veteran on the PGA tour is, uh, you know, a, a fleeting person, you know, you're not going to see those guys spend that much time out there. They want to be at home. I mean, it is a grind. Uh, 24 seven, you know, we start January one all the way up into, if you play the shark shootout, 
all the way up until mid-December. You know, there's not a lot of weeks off. You play 25 to 30 weeks. It's still, it's still a grind on your body and it's, it's still a grind mentally. So, uh, I think, uh, I, I'm trying to be that independent contractor and make as much money as possible. You know, it, it's interesting that you say that. And I, I, I have held that same belief, particularly now. And everyone lives whenever time period that they live in and the money is what it is now. But are you surprised at guys like Furyk, who's made 100 on the golf course? And Lord knows, I mean, the guy's tatted up with five or six or 12 different logos on, on, on his body. And good for him that he's still out yeah. there, that he's still doing this. And Els is still doing it. And Stricker's yeah. still doing it. These guys have made tons. I mean, are you surprised by that? Um, not really. I mean, those are the, the guys that are the, the 25 to 30 year vets that, that they're used to it. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I also think that their kids are grown and out of the house for the most part. And, you know, they have the extra time. They, they like the competition. They like the camaraderie of the, the senior tour. And I, you know, my, my vision now is to, to retire quite a few years before the senior tour. And then who knows? I mean, once I, you know, I get five, six years at home or something like that. Uh, and maybe I'd want to go back out on the road or maybe I, maybe if I stop for a year, I'm, I'm not going to want to, you know, quit completely. I might want to play a little bit more, but you know, everybody's different and everybody's mind changes, uh, throughout their career. And, you know, you have to look at the, the Ernie L's, Jim Furyk of the, the world that play like that. I mean, you respect them. They've, they've been a long time play, uh, great golfer, uh, hall of fame golfers, um, throughout their career. And it's, it's fun to still play golf with them. It's fun to, to see them still out there competing. I mean, Look at Jim. He was uh, leading the Sony Open yeah. last week. So nonetheless, I mean, these guys still have game. They're still really good. I played with er Ernie uh, mid last year. I mean, still drives it good, still drives it long enough for, for anybody. I mean, these guys are having fun competing against each other, and I think that's the name of the game. They they like that. I mean, we like that. You, you talk to Kisner. You talk to anybody that plays on the PGA Tour. We're gamers. We like the competition, and we enjoy it. The, um, the whole idea of the process – when you're playing, you have to be paying attention to yourself. But but when you do take time to watch other guys and you, you get to know people, um, whose process do you admire? I'm talking about think box, into the play box, and the way they go about things. Who do you look at and go, God, I love the way he does it? Ah, that's a that's a hard question. I mean, there's there's so many guys that you respect, but they, they all do it in their own way. You know, there's not one particular way. I mean, Tiger kind of, you know, he was the first one to pave the way of, you know, working out at 6 a.m., you know, playing golf, working out again and, you know, being at the peak of his career. It showed. I mean, he, he did everything he was supposed to do. But then you see other guys that, you know, can manage their time uh, a little bit differently and still still be at the top of their game. You know, Ernie Els was at the top of his game, you know, quite a few years before Tiger. But, you know, you, you look at some of these older guys, I mean, uh, you know, you look at Jerry Kelly, you look at yeah. some of these guys have always, always respected. They've been out there and doing it for so long that they do go out and enjoy a glass of wine and a great dinner, uh, you know, after the round, you know, they, you have to enjoy the little th things in life to, to enjoy the entirety of your life. You can't, if it's all golf all the time, I would, I know I would get burnout. Uh, I don't think some of the other guys would get burnout as fast as I would, but uh, yeah, I, I like to have fun. I mean, a lot of the guys, a lot of my friends out there on tour, they know I like to have fun. Gary, you know, like <laughs> I like to have fun. Everybody knows I like to have a good time. Nonetheless, I still, when I, you know, when I'm golfing, when I'm doing my thing, you know, I, I'm there, I'm, I'm trying my hardest and, uh, I'm doing everything I can to, to play my best golf. So, you know, you have to have that, you know, that balance beam, you have to walk that line of, you know, fund fundamentals and uh you know being able to get it done on the golf course you know i'm glad you brought up jerry kelly because i think one of the most underrated things a player can do is to maintain fully exempt status until they turn 50 and then and then you you go and play pga tour champions Th that mm -hmm. that shows some serious stones i mean to to, to make a living sure. doing this for 30 years close to, and your buddy pat perez has a chance to do that and he even said recently sure. i can't wait until i'm 50 because I'm going to kick some people's asses. Um, if Pat, what what is it? I mean, I think Pat is one of the best putting strokes ever. I swear to God, from eight yeah. feet, I'd give him, here's the ball, I, make every eight-footer for me. Is it that? What What is it that has allowed him to keep doing this for so long? Well, I mean, he always has a go-to shot. 
Uh, I think everybody in the game uh, that plays it at the elite uh, level, uh, you know, has a, you know, a go-to shot. Mine's a draw. His is a fade. Um, you know, he knows that he's going to hit a, you know, a big 15 to 15 to 18 yard fade uh, under the gun with the driver. He knows that he's going to hit like maybe a little bit of a pull fade uh, with his irons. And, you know, he's one of the best wedgers of the golf ball out there. I mean, He's got kind of that short, compact swing that's ideal for wedges. He doesn't have a whole lot of lag like I do, but, you know, that's what makes him him great. And he's always he's been, you know, for his entire career, one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. I mean, he's he's always a great putter. As you said, from 8 to 10 feet and in, he's unbelievable. So um, I think, uh, you know, that's, that, that's the name of the game. I mean, outside of – if you look at the numbers outside of 10 feet, the numbers go drastically down yep. uh, of, of make percentage. And I mean, even from 10 feet, it can't be more than, you know, 60%, maybe 50%. I, I think it's, it might be even that. So, you know, it goes up, you know, almost to 90% inside of three feet or 90 some percent, 98% in three feet. But out, outside of that, it goes down. So uh, to be a great putter from 10 feet and in is what, what's going to make or break, uh, you know, a 20 year vet. And, you know, with Pat Perez and Jerry Kelly and some of these guys that have done it forever, you know, they, they, they're not the elite ball strikers that, you know, you've seen, but they are uh, elite when it comes to uh, wedging the golf ball, chipping the golf ball. Pat's an incredible chipper of the golf ball. I mean, we played the Zurich together and he had some of the best chips I've ever seen. So it's, uh, it, it was fun to play that. Kevin Na has a chance to do some of that stuff yeah. too. I mean, he, he, uh, he's, he's very, very good around the greens. He's done the same thing kind of pats them, uh, you know, to a level. I mean, they both, both are great players. I mean, yeah, I think Kevin is a little bit better of a putter, uh, but he's made a career of wedging and putting it. Uh, neither of, I mean, Pat used to hit it really far and, you know, he's 46 years old and losing a little bit of distance, but you know, I, I feel bad that he's playing a lot of practice rounds with me and then he has to watch <laughs> me hit the, the driver, but you know, that's, that's what makes, uh, what, what, what makes me an elite player is I drive the ball long and pretty straight. And, uh, you know, if my wedges are on, then, you know, I, I'm a tough guy to beat. You know, Kevin, I played with Kevin in the pro-am at, at, um, at Wells Fargo, the second year of the event, he was 19. Um, hmm. I, I mean, and I mean, he's been out there a hundred years and he's not even 40. Um, yeah. and I 19. think, I talked to him last week. It's crazy. And, yeah. and, Look, he's had a, a great career. I think, first of all, the, the, the President's Cup's in Charlotte. You know Charlotte well. Um, I, Quail's going to be unhinged. The crowds are going to be great. They've already, like, oversold all the corporate hospitality. Yeah. It's going oh, yeah. to be unhinged. But I, I say this because I think you have a really good chance to be on the team. I also think Kevin would be, like, a great irritant. Uh, t- and I mean that complimentary. Like, I, I, he could drive people oh, sure. crazy. Yeah, Absolutely. He can definitely do that. I mean, we played uh, our, our QBE matches. And, I mean, there's, you know, a friendly camaraderie out there. But, you know, I could tell that there was a little bit of a, a you know, a mind game going out there. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to stand over here to the side. And if Kevin needs any help physically, I can handle that. But I'm going to let him do the mental warfare for me and, you know, have a little bit of fun. Uh, but, you know, he's that guy. I, I think he's, you know, that irritant that, you know, he could get under your skin. He's not going to outdrive you anywhere you know, do anything crazy, but you know, he's going to hit it to 15 to 20 feet, every single hole. And I mean, it looks like he's going to make every putt out there. And then when he misses the green, he's better with the wedge. He might chip it in more often from 30 feet than he would putting it in from 30 feet. It's, and it, it, and he has a a slightly unconventional way of chipping, but I'll tell you what, it is fun to watch, uh, to, to watch him chip the golf ball around, uh, around some of these really tough, tight lies into the grain Bermuda, which is some of the toughest, you know, the toughest stuff to chip off of in the world. And uh, he makes it look very, very easy. You know, the idea of of progressing in your career and finding your footing professionally, uh, I've always been curious about how it changes your approach because there's so much nuance to competitive golf. And and we don't know how much, um, you know, Friday afternoon is getting to young players because, you know, they've got to accrue a certain amount of money and, and hopefully they make the number and they get to the 125. Has your approach yeah. to playing competitive golf completely changed from 2011 to present day? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it's completely changed uh, day in and day out, year in and year out. I'm just striving to get better. I'm not, you know, trying to do anything that I'm not capable of doing. Yeah, I've got the extra maybe 15 or 20 yards in the tank, but, you know, 
hitting the fairways is is key uh, around the PGA Tour. As much as Bryson is hitting it as far as he is, you know, the fairways are key. You know, the the U.S. Open, you know, he I think he led the field in putting. So, you know, I think the stats might be skewed on, you know, that major championship. You know, everybody's talking about how far he hits it. When you're leading the, you know, the putting stat, you are normally up there at the top five on on the on the list there for the week. So, um, you know, striving to get better every year for me is uh, one of the top keys for me. It's not, uh, you know, you don't have to get exponentially better out here, but if you can get better at something every year, you're going to continue to 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 rise on the PGA Tour. And um, you know, one of the uh, veteran guys when I came out. Uh, told me, he says, don't wear yourself out. Don't stay out here for eight to 10 hours a day. Yep. By the time the tournament comes, you're going to be tired. You're not going to be ready to play. You're not going to be wanting to play because you've spent eight to 10 hours practicing nonstop Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you're just not mentally or physically ready to play against the best players in the world. I think being mentally and physically ready, uh, as opposed to, you know, being knowing the golf course is more, more important uh, than anything. Take weeks off when you're not feeling well or, Take weeks off when you've had four or five weeks on. You know, it, one week is not enough. Two weeks is a must at, at least twice a year. So, you know, the, the, the young guys, I think they, they wear themselves out. You know, it, you saying that, I, I was playing with Justin Rose in 2013 at Zurich. And for whatever reason, there was a guy who was a rookie on the PGA Tour. I'm not going to say his name. His name came up and he said, Gary, I promise you, he's going he's gonna to practice his way off the tour. He said, I've never seen somebody hit more balls. And lo and behold, he, he played his way off the tour. He had been back on the tour uh, since. Now, some people learn those lessons about, about you know, ball counts and, and taking weeks. Um, did you ever get to a point though, where, where you felt like you, you, you were midway through the year and you're like, God, look at me, I'm, I'm at 137 in the FedEx cup mm-hmm. and you're, and you're, and you're grinding yourself into a pulp and you're not, you're not producing more. Did you learn a valuable lesson at any point in your career that way? Well, my rookie year on tour, I, I was very close to losing my card. I think I finished 117 or 119 or something like that. And I earned my card. Uh, I finished T2 at um, uh, the Napa event now. I was at yeah. Portoval down there. And uh, I finished second to Jonas Blix there uh, and finished the year off, uh, you know, kind of with a bang. And, you know, I, I played halfway decent, finished, you know, 20th or whatever at RSM. Um, you know, one of those years that, you know, sometimes you just have to, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and, and go out and get it. Uh, you know, that's, you know, kind of the mentality of, you know, after you win your first one, you know, that you have to go out and get it. Like, you know, at Houston, you have to go out and you just have to do something uh, to either win or, or lose. And I think uh, that's the mentality that, you know, I took uh, there. I, you know, I played every week. I, I grinded every week. You know, it's something that you need to force yourself to do. And if you're not playing well and you need to play, you need to just, you know, uh, quote unquote, sack up and, you know, get it done. It's not something that's you could golf is not going to be given to you. There's nothing in the game that is ever going to be given to you. And as soon as you think it, it, it is, it, that's right. That's when it's going to turn around and smack you right in the face. So um, I think it's a, a very interesting game and uh, I'm enjoying <laughs> it. But yeah, that, that rookie year was uh, pretty stressful. And, you know, I, I had a couple guys, you know, you know, t- tell me a few things, but I, I never had the, you know, the, the OSU Cowboy uh, Club or the Georgia right. Bulldogs or right. the Florida Gators. Like I didn't have that to rely upon. I mean, I had, you know, myself, I've had a couple caddies. I had my family uh, back home, but I didn't have a whole lot of guys take me under their wing and say, hey, Jay, this is, you know, something that maybe you need to work on or whatever. And I think, uh, you know, Pat did, Perez did that for me, maybe not my rookie year, but it was uh, maybe two or three years later that, we, uh, you know, played a couple practice rounds together, realized that we, you know, had some camaraderie and uh, we became really good friends. And he was kind of the guy that took me under his wing, not to kind of show me everything, but, uh, you know, hey, this is I've been a 20 year vet and I, you know, I've been a 20 year vet for a reason. You know, I, I got something going for me. So, uh, you know, you have to, you know, take little things from every player and, you know, use those to 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 the best of your ability. You can't just use everything blindly and go down the same path as everybody else. The the analytical part of it, analytics has become, you know, a, a big part of the game, and, and certain players rely on it more than others. Is there any aspect of analytics that you find more more valuable uh, than the, the lion's share of the data that's available to you? 
Well, I think some of the data is a little bit skewed. Um, you know, the driving distance thing it is it's not every single drive you hit. You know, it's just a, a select few out there. So the driving distance is a little skewed. I think the putting stats are a little skewed depending on whether you're putting from off the green, whether you're chipping or, right. you know, what, uh, you know, whether, you know, it is better to be short on this par four front front pin. If you spin it just off the front edge of the green, that's going to be a lot better if you hit it to 20 feet past the hole. So I think the, you know, I think some of the stats are skewed, but uh, you know, I think I, I've been looking at the stats more uh, recently to try to get a little bit better. You know, my, my strokes gained around the green and strokes gained a proximity to the hole, I think, uh, could get better. And I think those are some of the things that you can work on, but you can't rely strictly upon stats. You have to, you know, game is a uh, golf is a game of feel and uh, I've always played it as such. And uh, you can use the stats to your advantage, but don't strictly rely upon stats or you'll, you'll become a robot. And that's not something that you really want to do on the PGA tour. You know, it's worked for some people uh, out there, but it, uh, it definitely wouldn't work for me or it wouldn't work for a person that I would uh, try to help out on tour tour these days i mean i don't view myself as a, a veteran out there but i think this is my 11th or 12th season yeah uh, you know going in my 12th season so you know if you younger guys have questions i'm i'm all for it I, i'll give you an honest answer i'll give you a straightforward answer if, if you don't like it you know i'm i'm not really sorry about it it's just kind of <laughs> one of those things that, you know if you ask me a question you better be ready for the answer uh you you use the term sack up and i think that's what putting is but but statistically you've gotten a lot better as far as your putting, is that, yeah. uh, is that really kind of a, the self-fulfilling prophecy of you sacking up when it matters most, or is it something that, that is reflective of, of certain things that you've worked on technique wise? Uh, putting to me is willing it into the hole, particularly when it matters the most. What, what is yeah. it about your putting that's gotten better? Well, uh, four years ago, I hired David Robinson. Uh, I, I believe is one of the best green readers on tour. Uh, he's, uh, probably one of the best playing caddies, uh, you know, out there to plug, to, to carry the bag. I mean, he, he had held web status or corn fairy status for a couple of years, three straight years out there. So the guy's got immense game himself around the greens. He's an incredible short game guy. Not, he can't teach me everything, uh, about the short game because the way he does stuff and the way I do stuff, because, you know, D Rob's, you know, five, five, 10 and I'm six, four, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, pivots and things that that just don't match up. But he knows a lot about the game. He can't always tell me exactly what, it, you know, he can tell me what he sees and what, what he feels, but it's, it doesn't always directly correlate with me. So uh, I think the, you know, the just the culmination of me trying to work a little harder at it, uh, him reading the greens for me, and, uh, you know, he gave me the the tip of getting going to a 36-inch putter, sticking with left-hand low. I think it's just, a, you know, a... a it's a culmination of both of us doing what we know how to do best. And, uh, you know, he gave me the tip as you you cannot be perfect lining your ball up. So if you see me out there, I do line the ball up, but it's not something that I go. It's not, I put it down that line every time. I'm mm -hmm. not going to sit there and make sure this line is directly on left edge or directly a ball out or a cup out or whatever. I think it's, you know, one of those things is if I line the ball up, you know, left edge and it's a ball out putt, I will use the line, but I won't change the line. I'll, I'll use my putt, putt uh, you know, the, the line on my putter to, to line myself up. And I think it's, um, you know, one of the guys, I can't remember who, told me, Gall, it, it's more reactionary when, when you're putting. You, you, as you said, it's willing it into the hole. Where you're looking is where you're going to stroke that putter uh, subconsciously. It's not, you could be aimed, you know, a cup right. And if you're looking a ball out left subconsciously, you're going to pull that putt or pull that ball onto its line. And but well, as you said, will the ball into the hole. So it's not something that, you know, it's not a perfect ideal system uh, of putting a straight back, straight through, straight through uh, an arc or, you know, whatever. If you look at Tiger, Tiger kind of pulled his putts into the hole, which yeah. probably got the ball rolling faster because, you know, if you pull something, it doesn't spin as much and it, you know, has that top spin to it. So there's, there's a lot that goes into it, but uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, you cannot perfect the way you putt and you just have to know that what tendencies that you do have. You know, I, you said reactionary that, that Brad Faxon told me the best tip he ever got was from Ben Crenshaw. He was, he was a young player. It might've been his rookie year or his second year. He was in Disney and, and he asked Ben to watch him putt. 
And, and at one point, Ben said, why, why are you not moving at all? He said, what do you mean moving? He said, you can't be so static. You're, all you're doing is creating tension in your body. He said, I, wa- I, I, I want you to try to putt and just very, in a very supple way, I want you to kind of flex your knees. I mean, it's an athletic movement. It may not, it may not appear to be that way, but, but you've got to make yeah. it as much of a motion. It's not, it's not just you being as still as you can be. Um, and he said, I've applied that his entire career, and he's historically one of the greatest putters of all time. Without, without question. And I told my caddy, D-Rob, last week, uh, you know, around the green, I think uh, I've been striving to do stuff uh, with my chipping around the green to, to firm up some technique. But I tend to chip better with a little bit of movement and, you know, kind of bouncing the club around. Uh, you know, I have great uh, eye-hand coordination. I'm a, a fairly good athlete. Maybe not anymore, but, you know, I, uh, I tend to do better and hit the ball better when I'm not you know, if you look at my golf swing, there's nothing, you know, stagnant or, uh, you, no. know, you know, it's a, it's a very fluid motion and, you know, that's what makes me a good ball striker, but that's also what makes it hard to, to be a, uh, an elite chipper, I guess is, uh, you know, that, that little bit of movement, but you know, the confidence is uh, is a huge key in the game of golf. And, you know, if without a little bit of confidence, you're not going to go very far. Yeah. I, I think Spieth is like a witch when he chips. I mean, I, and, but, but, and he's got his, he never gets still. I mean, he's, he's always, he, a lot I'm of it is visionary, always moving, constantly yep. moving. And, and a lot of it may be nervous energy, but the point is, is that there's motion all the way until he, you know, he takes it back until impact. Uh, I want to ask yep. you because there was a, a, I saw the release this morning, and you represent Saudi golf. That this whole existential yep. threat to the PGA Tour, it seems natural to me that you would be certainly a target to be a part of that. Uh, I, I would assume you've been approached. I mean, what, what's the story? There's, uh, there's been no official, you know, contract or anything that's come my way. I mean, I've heard rumors of, you know, uh, guys signing already guys, you know, in, you know, uh, extended talks with the Saudis, but you know, I, I'm, uh, as I said before, uh, earlier in the show, I'm an independent contractor. Um, I'm trying to take advantage. I've had long conversations with, you know, a couple of the elite players that on, on the PGA tour and, you know, these guys, I haven't signed any, you know, $20 million contracts or, you know, any elevated contracts that would make me, you know, want to stay. I mean, I, I want to make as much money as I can uh, in as little time as I can. And, uh, you know, competition is good. Uh, you know, the, the Saudi uh, Golf League or whatever, the Premier Golf League, whatever you want to call it, has, you know, gained some traction and in, it has created competition for the PGA Tour, which has in turn increased the purses. You know, I, I'm curious to see if the PGA Tour or if the PGA Tour would have ever increased any of that uh, without this competition. And it's scary to see how much money is out there and how much money was held back from the, you know, its players, from the, you know, the, the people that are, are making the money for the tour. And it, it's it's an interesting concept. I, I'm not going anywhere as of right now. Uh, I'm enjoying uh, the PGA Tour. I'm enjoying the competition, but. You know, if somebody's going to pay me uh, enough to retire in the next four years, it's more money than I could possibly make, you know, winning multiple times a year on the PGA Tour and being told what to do. Wednesday Pro-Ams. Yes. If if the tour came out, I mean, I had a long conversation with Jay and, you know, explained some, you know, basic ideas, you know, fundamental stuff that, you know, in my mind is common sense. But, you know, in, in you know, everyday business mind, it, 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 it's not. So, um I don't have any intention of, you know, going anywhere or signing anything as of right now, but you know, uh, you know, cash is king. And uh, if, you know, somebody pays me a, a enough money that, you know, my kids, kids uh, are going to be, you know, have a, a good head start on life. You know, I'm going to have to take advantage, full advantage of that because I, I'm not a guy that has taken advantage uh, of everything that I've been dealt. Uh, you know, I could have been a, you know, a little bit better, but you know, I strive to get better every year and, you know, playing the PGA tour is, is unbelievable it's great but it is a grind and to you know that there is some you know you want to play the pga tour for you know more of a legacy thing or you know whatever some people have told me but you know to play the the saudi golf league to play 14 events um or whatever 14 yeah. we'll call it 14 events right. uh supposedly more than half are going to be in the united states you know, there you're going to get a you know a big bonus at the beginning of the year. You're going to play for twenty million dollars or whatever it is. I mean, there 
the the amount of money that's going to be available to you playing against a you know a 64 man field as opposed to 128 to 132 to 156 man field you know it it creates uh you know you're going to make a lot more money in a in a lot less time frame so um I, i'm going to try to make as as i said as much money as i can in as little amount of time so if the money's right, you know, I, I would love to go play, uh, you know, that tour and play against, you know, some of the guys that are going to go out over there. But, you know, uh, I, I hate to say that the PGA Tour is, you know, secondary, but I, I don't really have a bad choice uh, in this situation. You know, Jason, you mentioned, and I don't think it's unreasonable at all, the things that you're bringing up about the player uh, impact program and 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 the way that they've done the FedEx cup and, and more money there and the players championship that this is not, this is not like coincidental. Uh, this is a, ref, this is a reaction to an existential threat. There's no doubt about yeah. that in my mind. And, and clearly you agree with that. I do want to ask you because I, I, you're aware of what people say um, as far as the Saudi government and, and being used as, as puppets to whitewash a, a regime that obviously has a, a poor human rights record record what is your what is your response to that i mean yeah i uh i i see and i read what people you know you know you know uh question me or question what i'm doing based upon what the saudi government right now i i'm a representative of the golf saudi league not the league but golf saudi uh they're trying to grow the game of golf and that's what i'm representing is growing the game of golf i'm not I'm not representing the the Saudi government. Um, I'm, you know, not a member of the government. You know, I'm not. Uh, I don't live there. It's it's just something that you know uh, they they pay me to to represent. Uh, you know, a a functional level of growing this game uh, at a global level, as opposed to you know bringing in the government uh, or anything like that. I'm trying to grow this game and be a representative of the game of golf at the highest level, and uh, I want to grow the game. Uh, not just here in the United States, uh, you know, but around the globe. And I, I think that, that they're taking that step outside the box into trying to grow the game. They have the financial background to to do this and to grow the game in, in a way that we haven't seen before uh, outside of, you know, the PGA Tour. You know, one thing I will say to, to end this part of the conversation, I, when this first thing, when this came up for the first time, I spent some time looking at, at, at the investments of Saudi Arabia around the world, and specifically here in the United States, and they have one of the largest wealth funds anywhere in the world. And, and you know, look, they've got FU money. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, and there is Saudi money from Wall Street to Silicon Valley and everywhere in between. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, the one thing I would say is just... You know, be careful about casting aspersions about, you know, somebody taking this dollar or that dollar until you realize where your dollar is being invested and who's investing in what you might be invested in. Uh, I, I do I do want to ask you this one last thing about it. Do you expect some type of formal, you know, construction or, or construct of this league before what? Before June? What do you think? Um, you know, from what I've heard, you know, uh, that it is going to happen. I just don't know the time frame. I mean, uh, it's, it's hard for me to say because I haven't had, I've had very little, uh, conversation with the, the Saudi golf league that, you know, would make me think that, you know, yes, they're interested in me because, you know, I, I represent the golf, sure. golf Saudi side of it. So I, I think I would be a guy that they would aim at, but you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump ship for, you know, a, a, a small price tag. It's not, not something that I, you know, I've, I've gained uh, representation on the PGA tour. You know, I'm a top, top 30 player in the world right now. And, you know, it, it's going to take quite a bit for me to, to, to go over there to, to play this league. And um, I, I'm interested to see what, uh, what, what it has in store. I mean, it, it's not something that, you know, it, it's not an ideal uh, system or an ideal situation to, to be involved with, with golf Saudi, as opposed to the PGA tour, you know, coming out on the PGA tour, I thought that the PGA tour was going to be the epitome of my golf career. Sure. Um, you know, getting to where I'm at now, you know, I'm, I'm having a few more people look at me and you know, the, the, the type of game that I have, it's, you know, relatively exciting. I, I hit the ball far, but I hit it offline. I hit some amazing shots, but I hit some terrible shots. You know, it's, 
it's not just, you know, ball and fairway ball on green two putt, you know, par. I mean, I'm all over the golf course. As I said, I like to have a little bit of fun. And I think I, I, I draw a little bit more than the, the average golfer to, uh, to them as far as, you know, I, you know, tr- trying to, you know, have fun with uh, some of their clients and that, that is around the world. As you said, they're, they're involved from Silicon Valley to wall street. And, uh, you know, if they have companies like that, that they would like me to, to help out with, I'd like to do that. Um, you know, the PGA tour has done an incredible job, uh, with me so far and, you know, I can't thank them enough, but, you know, I have to, uh, you know, the dollar for dollar is definitely not it. But uh, if you look at it from a standpoint where I'm at, um, you know, I can make enough money with the Saudi Golf League or whatever starting up in a, you know, a three, four. I don't know, even know what a, a, a standard contract would be because it's sure. so new. Um, I can make more money and retire upon that. It's enough money to retire upon. I, I think that you know, if, uh, if everything fall, if the cards fall, uh, as they may, you know, it's going to be enough money that I can retire upon. If not, uh, I could, you know, I stick my nose to the grindstone out here on the PGA tour and I will be just fine. Uh, I, I don't have a wrong answer in this, in this situation. Yes. Uh, I took some money, uh, to, to represent the, the game of golf and, you know, I I've had some backlash over it, but that that's backlash over something that's completely different than what I'm trying to do. And I think what the, the Saudis are trying to put for forward uh, going forward. Uh, it's, you know, I think it's something in their past, obviously there that's their own country. That's their own problems. Uh, but we have our own problems here in the United States. And, you know, I, I'm not one to point the finger first. All right, let's uh, let's decompress. And I'm going to end this with five quick questions. Uh, I actually am going to add okay. a bonus question because I can't help it because I, I know where your heart Shoot. lies when it comes to sports. Uh, who's the best shit talker on the PGA tour? Ooh, that's a that's a good one. I'd probably have to go with uh, Kisner. Kisner, five eight, one hundred and forty, soaking wet. Kevin Kisner. All right, uh, what, you what? said shit talker. <laughs> I didn't say enforcer. <laughs> All right, what what is your least favorite chore around the house? Ooh, um, dishes. Dishes. That's that's not that hard. Actually, actually no, it's not. <laughs> you said least favorite. You know what? I, growing up in a dry cleaning family, I'm gonna go ahead to say laundry. Laundry. My dad. Laundry is probably the, my least favorite, just because uh, my dad started. My great grandfather started a laundry or a dry cleaning business. You know, 100 and some years ago, my dad sold off the last little bit of it quite uh, a couple years ago. So uh, my family's always been in the laundry dry cleaning business. So. Yeah, I could uh, I could put a nice fleet in your pants or you know whatever and you know press all that stuff. I I have a second career if it uh, if I need it. But dry, uh, dry cleaning yeah, is never it. going away. I mean, dry no. cleaning will will live beyond the apocalypse. All right, your favorite yeah. restaurant on the road? Ooh, um, hard one. There's uh, so many good ones, and I have to hand it to Jerry Kelly. He's given me quite a few of those. Uh, great restaurants. Uh, I'm going to go ahead with uh, Del Frisco's in Charlotte because that's where my wife and I got engaged. Oh, very where nice. We had our uh, rehearsal dinner and uh, a lot of great memories there. Very nice. It's less than a mile from my house. All right. Uh, your celebrity crush growing up. God, I, I don't even remember her name now. It's, <laughs> I don't I don't I can't even remember now who my celebrity crush growing up. I don't know. Um Megan Fox. I knew you were going to say that. I swear. I almost said Megan Fox. All right. Last one. No, not the last one, but, but officially uh, your favorite cuss word or phrase on the golf course. Favorite cuss word or phrase. Uh, The one I could say on air. You can say it. You can say anything here. (laughs) You, you, uh, you gotta be kidding me. I, I didn't hear that. I know that's because I blurted it out myself. All right. My bonus one, uh, Baker, uh, extension or no extension from Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think they're going to go ahead and give it to him, but I, I would prefer not, not to, I mean, first three years, I, you know, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. Uh, I just think he's undersized for the NFL. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the wheels of Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson. I mean, he doesn't have that speed to get outside the pocket and then set himself to, to for some of these throws. He's had the most batted balls, the most um, interceptions, and the most sacks uh, of a three-year quarterback. You know, in, in a three-year span for 
quite some time. I don't know. I You'd have to fact check me on that, but that's a stat that I don't know. ESPN or somebody <laughs> told me. So, you know, if I heard, if I read it on the internet, it's gotta be true. It, absolutely. So, it um, does. Uh, <laughs> I would, it, it's tough for me to, to, to give a large contract to a guy like that. Yeah. You know, I just saw, I just saw the stat that Dak, Dak Prescott got, he's a hundred, you know, he, he's making $107 million. And I mean, he hasn't won a playoff game. You gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> You know, it's one of those things. Uh, you know, I want the Cleveland Browns to do uh, as good as they can, but you know, they got to draft a quarterback that's six four, can see over their line. You know, I, you know, Baker. You know, he brings a lot of. You know, he brings a lot of light to the sure. Browns because he he's a character. But you know, get off the commercials and put your nose to the grindstone, and you know, figure out a way to to get some touch around some of these the giant linemen. I mean. I'm six four, and I couldn't imagine trying to throw the football over these guys that are six eight that can run faster than me that want to take my head off. Uh, it's true. I and you, you know, when you sign a guy to a contract like that, it what it does it strangles the rest of your roster because you only have so much money to allocate. That's why Seattle they got so much out of Russell in that first deal before they had to pay him all that money, and they could pay money, yeah. spend money on the defensive side of the ball. Hey, listen, I, I really appreciate the time. I'm looking forward to seeing you down the road, uh, and I'm really, really happy for all the success. Winning uh, three times in this short amount of, amount of this time span is wildly impressive. Thanks so much, buddy. Gary, thanks for having me. Uh, we've known each other for a long time. Always a pleasure to, uh, to be on the show and get to chat with you for a little bit. Well, we appreciate Jason Kokrag joining us. I know uh, that his thoughts, and they were extensive, uh, his thoughts on the Saudi Golf League, proposed league, uh, and his own position on it are probably going to garner a lot of attention, and rightfully so. Uh, but he is somebody who has become as he said, a top 30 player in the world. So we appreciate his time. We appreciate your time. Next week, Lee Westwood, a guy many believe is destined for the World Golf Hall of Fame, will be our guest right here on Five Clubs. So for all of us here at the Five Clubs Conversation, we'll see you next week.